Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and help from those with proven experience in Christian service. We want you to be part of the program during the 30 minutes ahead. To visit the pastor's study today, text your question at 516-367-0391. Again, that's 516-367-0391. Now welcome to today's Visit to the Pastor's Study with Pastor Bill Shishko. And I am your host, Pastor Bill Shishko. We invite your calls. If you're listening on Saturday, the live call in number 631-955-5400. That's for calls today only on Saturday only. Or any time in the week, you can text your questions, 516-367-0391. Well, today we're wrapping up our current series on what we might call God and Government But given the interest generated by the series, we're already planning a sequel. You can send me the questions that are on your mind about God and government, 516-367-0391. Put that under Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. Well, all too often, our discussions about politics make a serious error because our starting place is misplaced. We try to build the second story of our particular political views without thinking about the the foundation and the first story of our political thinking. There are books and lectures that can help us with the foundations and the first story, but many of these are so academic that we quickly get lost with the building materials that we read or hear and then we get bored with the whole project, and that does not help us move forward with the way that we consider and build and construct a house of political thinking that's carefully based on the Word of God. So that's why I was thrilled to get and to read Christ and the Kingdom of Men by Dr. David Innes, professor of politics and chairman of the program in politics, philosophy, and economics at the King's College in Manhattan, New York City. Christ and the Kingdoms of Men is one of these special books that's written by a scholar, but is easy and even fun to read. It's what's often called accessible theology, the teachings of the Word of God written in an engaging, clear, and helpful way with lots of application to the world in which we live. I can't commend the book too highly to all of you who want to build the foundation and the first floor of the house of your political thinking. The book is an outstanding resource for homeschooling parents and for all parents who want to help their children think Christianly about God and government. It's key terms and study questions at the end of each chapter make it an excellent textbook, but it doesn't read like a dry academic textbook. It breathes with the life of this vital topic, God and government. Dr. David Innes, uh, author of Christ and the Kingdoms of Men, is my guest on today's visit to the pastor's study. I want you to learn more about what makes this book distinctive and why Dr. Innes wrote it. But I also want you to hear Dr. Innes on the subject of one particular chapter in his book. I want him to speak with us about government's role in matters of piety and morality. So keep listening. 
If you're hearing the program on Saturday, you can call in with your questions. That live call-in number is 631-955-5400. Or again, you can text your questions at any time in the week on any topic, 516-367-0391. Dr. David Innes, hey, welcome again to a visit to the Pastor's Study. Uh, it's good to be here, Bill. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, Dr. Innes. Tell us uh, your book, Christ and the Kingdoms of Men. How is that different from the, the many other Christian books uh, that come out uh, talking about politics? Well, a lot of books, uh, Bill, start with um, they they center around issues and 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 policies and so forth. So, and because that's what people want. What should I think about health care? What should I think about government involvement in this or, or, or foreign policy? And so they pick up a book on politics, and these books indulge that. But you can't decide any of those things well until you start from the fundamentals. And I found that a lot of these books, they address one thing or another well, but uh, none of them was a rigorous uh, attempt to to get to the foundations of political thinking. What is government? Why is there government rather than not government? What gives anyone the right to tell anyone else in God's universe what to do if we're all equally made in the image of God? What's the purpose of government? And what is the problem with government? Not the problem with you know, the Trump government or the Obama government. What is the problem with government? There's always a problem with government. Why is that and what is that problem? So these things have to be addressed before you can get to the issues and, and address them wisely. Yeah, I think one of the things, that, at least that I see, Dr. Ennis, I think you do as well, we talk about the problem of government. You, you have, because there are problems with government in a fallen world, you, you, have, you have some people and they're thinking that more government is going to be the solution. And then you have others on the libertarian side that want virtually no government when, if I'm right, in a fallen world, we have to have government. Is that correct? Oh, sure. In a fallen world, we need to have government because we have this tendency to, to violate one another, to take one another's stuff and, and hit each other over the head, uh, to get each other's stuff, or just because we think it's fun. Right? So we need restraining from uh, each other. But if you're, but you're going to give government the power to restrain sin, you're also giving it the power to sin, uh, the power to um, protect you is also at the same time the power to oppress you and this is what we call the political problem so uh, people say we want this this addressed why doesn't the government just do that but to do that they're empowering the government and they don't they don't understand they need they need restraints on that yeah interesting one of the comments dr Innes, about your book christ and the kingdoms of men is it is, is it helps us cut through the confusion that underlies the deepest political controversies of our day. That alone is welcome. How does your book do that? Well, there are controversies today, partly because, well, partly because uh, people uh, of goodwill agree on the nature of the problem, and, and they disagree on, on the, the wisest means to get there. That's fine. But a lot of the deepest disagreements we have today uh, stem from disagreement on on the fundamentals, the most fundamental thing, like like who is God, um, what is man, uh, how is man related to God, and then what are the how are these things? What place do these things have in the universe? 
What's the nature of the universe? We're disagreed on this stuff. We can't even agree on what a human being is anymore. We can't agree on what a man and a woman is. Uh, no wonder there's disagreement. And you might think, well, this is, this is a disagreement between Christians and non-Christians. But even among evangelical Christians, that some of them are conservatives, some of them are libertarians, and some of them are progressives. Why? Because there, there isn't enough careful thinking about the, the foundations of politics and how you get from, for example, in my book, a, 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 a robust doctrine of creation, who God is over the universe and what he made us to be, and therefore what government is supposed to be doing to provide us with good. Um, uh, without that, you have, you have these unnecessary disagreements. You know, I think you're getting us into the waters now, but you've mentioned several times foundations of government. And of course, your book has a number of chapters on the purpose of government, which I'm assuming is the same as, as, as fundamentals. Talk to us mm-hmm. about some of those fundamentals about government. Well, uh, fundamental to government is God's government over the universe, right? Uh, if, if, you, if you deny that God created the universe and created us with a certain character in his image uh, for uh, the creation mandate to take dominion over the earth, well, then you're going to widely diverge on what government is. So, so God's sovereign government over all things, and then making us for a particular purpose, to, to, um, uh, to be righteous and to rule. Easy to remember, they both begin with R, to be righteous as he is righteous and to rule in that righteousness over his creation, to, you know, unpacking it uh, for our blessing and our shalom and his glory. Uh, that, that is, uh, it has to start there. So it's not for me and my comfort. It's not for uh, me enthroning myself over my little world. It's, it's all for uh, him and his creational purpose. So there, there's a fundamental of government. And the fact that he gives government for our good, and he gets to say what that good is, that excludes a lot of things right there from the controversy. Yeah, of course, I, I, I want you to mention more of the, of the fundamentals, but I mean, the obvious question is what about people who don't share your basic conviction about the existence of God and the relation to government? What's government like for them? Yeah, well, the... Uh, uh, the book is the book is Christ and the kingdoms of man. It's 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 helping Christians think through what is the truth concerning these things. So once you understand what the truth concerning these things these things is, what the Christian understanding of government ought to be, then you can you can go from there and say, okay, well, my neighbors don't believe in Christ, and there's a lot of these neighbors who don't believe in Christ. So how then do we live with them? And uh, there, there, Augustine is helpful, because he talks about uh, in the 4th century, uh, back when most people were not Christians, how do people in the city of God live in the same polity with so many people who are in the city of man? And, and there's things you can agree on, but you don't, lose, you don't fool yourself into thinking that that's all that government is. There are, there are certain touch points regarding uh, safe streets, uh, 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 conditions for moral flourishing, conditions for, for material prosperity that we can agree on. And, uh, and then, aside from that, you are doing the work of the gospel, building the church, 
the church life, uh, which is a display to non-Christians as to how human beings flourish most fully. My guest today is Dr. David Innes, professor of political science and related topics at the King's College in Manhattan. We'll we'll hear more about that school in a few minutes, but we'll be back with Dr. Innes. I want to focus in on the role of government and piety and morality, but we'll get to that after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you can bring the ministry of this program right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill.com. Bill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And I am your host, Pastor Bill Shishko. Today, the topic, Christ and the Kingdoms of Men, Part 1. My my guest today is Dr. David Innes, Professor of Political Science and Chairman of the Program in Politics, Philosophy, and Economics at the King's College can text your questions any time in the week, 516-367-0391, or you can email your questions anytime. Visit Pastor Bill, that's all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Dr. Ennis, I want to focus on Chapter 5 of your book, uh, Punishing Evil. It's one of the three chapters on that subject in your book, and the topic is uh, Punishing Evil, Piety, and Morality. Now, that flies in the face of the view that government, quote-unquote, shouldn't legislate morality, let alone punish immorality. Talk to us about government and moral legislation. Sure. Uh, It's good to remember that the notion that you can't pass moral laws is very recent. I mean, for, for all of human history, and most of this republic's history, uh, the, the notion that uh, you can, uh, that it's right to pass um, laws pertaining to public morality was taken for granted. And even today, we're hypocritical in our, uh, uh, our resisting that, uh, because so much of our laws uh, pertain to um, uh, the morality or immorality and uh, and how we behave and how we how we treat one another it's just that the morality changes from traditional morality um, to the latest progressive morality but um, but God gives government for our good right? romans thirteen four very clear and and it is good as God understands it the, our whole human good so it is it, God wants us physically flourishing. He wants us morally flourishing. He wants us spiritually flourishing in peace with God, in peace with one another, in peace within ourselves. And the laws can't 
give you that. The law, you can't, by law, make people prosperous. You can't make them moral. You can't make them Christians. This is clear. But laws can be wiser or less wise in how easy or difficult they make that. The laws can be, can be structured in such a way that it is easier to prosper or more difficult. Uh, there are anti-business and, and pro-business laws, but also there are laws uh, can make it easier or more difficult to flourish morally. So um, easy, it, they can make it easier or more difficult to raise your kids to be, to be decent Christian people who follow you in the faith and, and exercise self-control. It can make it easier or more difficult for you to lead uh, a, a moral life. So, th- and so this, is, this is the role of government in moral legislation, to provide the conditions under which we can more easily pursue a, a morally good life. All right, well, let's, let's be specific. Let's talk about uh, sexual immorality and the Seventh Commandment. You and I would say that it, it certainly promotes the good of society to have legislation that that prohibits certain activities, um, whether it be sexual deviancy or or divorces for unbiblical reasons. But we're in a culture in which the tsunami is government has no role in telling me what I do with my body. So how do you respond to that? Again, uh, we all understand that there are uh, it's suitable to have laws which protect people's ability to lead uh, moral lives. For example, zoning laws. Uh, there are zoning laws in every community that says you can't have a liquor store beside a public school. You can't have uh, people aren't able to open you know, like adult uh, stores out of out of their garages or or in a residential neighborhood. Uh, in in New York City, we have. Um, in Times Square, it was full of peep shows and all, all manner of horrible things, and, and Mayor Giuliani came and pushed them out. Well, they still existed, like over on 10th Avenue, but no longer at the heart of the city where families could go and, and have family. We, we refer to family fun, right? A family channel, a family neighborhood. In other words, the, the, a place in which children are, are uh, protected from certain immoral influences, which would make it more difficult for them to to develop morally. So uh, we do this. We protect children so they can grow up more, uh, makes it easier for them to develop morally. So we all understand this, and we are learning that uh, you're talking about um, uh, sexual things, uh, pornography uh, on the Internet, uh, unprecedented and is taking a terrible toll on people's ability to govern themselves and to form families and to uh, flourish in those families as, as primarily fathers. And at some point, there's going to have to be controls on this so that um, people can uh, lead uh, healthy, morally productive lives. So, so I would assume, then, that the middle part in this, if I could put it like this, is uh, those that share these convictions, let me put it that way, whether they're Christians or not, should be about trying to demonstrate how the tolerance of these things is destructive of society 
and therefore try to change the minds of legislators so that they will enact legislation that will be more helpful to society. Am I right? Yes. In fact, in the New York Times, I think it was just yesterday, uh, there was a story in the New York Times that said that if you have an intact, if you don't have an intact family with mom and dad who are are biologically related to the children and are married, then if you have a broken home, in other words, uh, your children are are significantly more likely not to go to college, to be sexually active, to be, uh, to be you know, young people who, who aren't settled in a job, and all sorts of other serious, uh, 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 serious problems. So, so there you have the government has an interest in supporting the family, in keeping families together, and um, for the sake of you know, societal health and, and the moral protection of the people in it. So, so you said, Dr. Innes, again in Chapter 5 of Christ and the Kingdoms of Men, government must provide and protect the conditions for religious observance, but, but not force observant. I, I, I mean, that prompts loads of questions. Can, can you unpack that a little? Yeah, it runs against the, uh, certainly the contemporary uh, American ethos, but, you know, God is not accountable to the contemporary American ethos. Um, God didn't ha- doesn't have to consult Thomas Jefferson uh, when he declares something to be true. So we have to keep that in mind at all times. There are, there's probably going to be something in our American spirit that is wrong. How do we know this? Because it's a fallen world and nothing is perfect. There's sin and error everywhere in larger and greater degrees. So we should be open to um, criticizing things that we hold dear in this way. But the... Um, the, the conditions for, for spiritual flourishing, for piety, the, again, the government cannot make people Christians. It can't require a tithe. It can't require church membership. But it can make things, because it is God's government for our good, right? And God distinguishes between true and false religion, between religion and irreligion. The government can arrange conditions so that it's easier rather than more difficult for people to lead uh, faithful religious lives. So, for example, I was in when I was in seminary in Pittsburgh. One Sunday, I couldn't get to church because there was a marathon running through the city, and I couldn't get from the seminary to church. This should not be in a righteous republic. This would be forbidden. And at one time, not long ago, it was forbidden. We have changed in really unhealthy ways and in biblically unfaithful ways very recently. Dr. Ennis, uh, we're out of time for your part. Give us, quickly, give us your contact information so people can email you about this topic or the King's College in Manhattan. Well, they can, they can follow me on Twitter, DC Ennis1, uh, or they can uh, go to my website, dcinnis.com. DC, that's all the address you need, dcinnis.com. Great. And uh, you get to me. Thanks so much, Dr. Innes. Time for counsel from the Faster Study. It concerns me that many, if not most Christians today, they're just downright pessimistic and cynical about everything connected with politics and the direction of government in the United States of America. Now, frankly, most Christians in our nations have their political views and outlook formed more by the major media than by the Bible. No wonder, no wonder you're pessimistic and cynical. My counsel to you is to stop being pessimistic about politics and government and start praying. 
for politicians and for the good of our society. And part of this month's series on the role of the Christian in the civil realm was an entire program on fasting. While religious fasting brings immense personal benefits, it's also a God-ordained means for God's people to plead with God for his mercy in times of severe political distress. And surely these are times of severe political distress. But the flip side of fasting is praying. And the Word of God calls us to very specific prayer for politicians and for the good of not only our society, but any society. In giving directions for Christian church life, the Apostle Paul writes to Minister Timothy in the New Testament book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, this is of the greatest importance, particularly because he's just mentioned the very real activity of a very real devil. In view of this, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, every way of making requests to God, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceable and quiet life. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking about our life together as a society, godly and dignified in every way. My counsel, instead of wringing your hands, lift your hands to God, asking that our society might be marked by a peaceable and quiet life that is godly and dignified in every way. My thanks to the King's College professor of politics and author of the book, Christ and the Kingdoms of Men, Dr. David Innes, for being my guest again on today's visit to the pastor's study. Remember, Sunday is the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to this week's A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated in the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week for another Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.